Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildenbrand here, Dan Rubenstein right on over there. Solid Verbal at gmail.com is still the email address. You can find us on Facebook, on FanCred. And, of course, on the Twitter, I'm joined by Dan Rubenstein. He's still in beautiful, in sunny, in Southern California, eagerly awaiting the Rose Bowl game, which we'll discuss here momentarily. Sir, how are you? Good. I was surprised by just how many full frontal nudes you put on fan cred. So if that's something you're interested in, listeners, I would I would check out the fan cred. It's a little bit of a different medium than Twitter. Yeah, they're, they're- So you try things, Dan. You can't be afraid to try things and put yourself out there. Their standards are, are perfect for your tastes. So what are you doing out there? I saw the tweet. I should read the tweet. Let me find yeah. this tweet. You had a good one last night that did Which surprisingly oh, yeah. well. I watched uh, enough of the Texas game. Didn't watch it all because, well, if you watched enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Quote, eight tacos instead of watching Texas, Arkansas had mm-hmm. more tacos than Texas had rushing yards. Three, three tacos. Yep. It was that kind of game last <laughs> night in the Texas, Arkansas game, Dan. It was. Um, you give Texas a month to plan an offense and uh, <clears throat> I'm getting a little choked up thinking about it. Um <clears throat> That's what they'll give you. Um, yeah, this isn't the Texas team I'm expecting of Charlie Strong. Wow, I sound like I have a frog in my throat. What's going on over there? Cough. This is an <laughs> earlier recording time than usual. We're recording this, is... this on a Tuesday. Normally, we'd record on a Wednesday, but right. with it being New Year's Eve, we wanted to free everyone up, and we'll post this early Wednesday morning, but uh, do we need to take a time out here? Or are you good? No, I'm good. I'm good now. I got some caffeine, and I cleared my throat. Um no, went out to dinner instead of watching the Texas-Arkansas game with a number of friends in town to cover the game, some of whom have been on the show before, some of whom have been uh, single or multiple secret verbal recipients, Oh, and I was grilled about that. Um, Chantel Jennings from ESPN covers the Pac-12. Good yep. sport about it, but really went through how confused she was <laughs> upon receiving tweets about um, being a dolphin interpreter and being asked if any of the dolphins had ever said anything super weird to her. Right. She claims that she went to lengths like so far and above and beyond to figure out what people were talking about. She was like, I was researching all sorts of code words that dolphin might be a part of. Like on Urban Dictionary? She went on Urban Dictionary and she was like, <laughs> things things get really real on Urban Dictionary when you look up dolphins. And then she also called our friend Lindsay Schnell, who they I guess they both live in Portland. They She didn't know what was going on because I guess because Lindsay is a is a verballer, but yeah. hadn't listened to the show yet. Um she would they it was just and then Bruce chimed in with like they've done it to me twice. <laughs> <laughs> and it was something about I guess we we did the boogie boarding thing in, in Redondo and then we did something about the uh riding the trains in New York. That's right. And apparently there's some guy that works for the MTA in New York whose name is Bruce Feldman. <laughs> so then he thought there were tweets that were accidentally directed at him. It was just fantastic. I'm glad to see this is making waves. This is good. Yeah, and everybody wanted to know about you, Ty. I got a bunch of questions about your day job, a bunch of questions about recording the show. Lindsay thought you lived with your mother, no. which I thought was, I thought that was rich. No, no um, not anymore. Not at this point. <laughs> not at this juncture. Um, but uh, no, good times. And I didn't have to watch the Texas offense. So I, I'm the real winner here. You are the real winner. We will talk yeah. about the Advocare V100 Texas Bowl. Although I did watch Oklahoma's and that was, that sort of balanced things out. We will talk about the Russell Athletic Bowl. 
yeah, as well. And we'll talk about the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. We're also going to discuss, well, you know, two big games on New Year's Day. There's a few big games on New Year's Day. There are a few big ones for sure, but yeah. there are two that are bigger than the rest. We're going to go through those as quickly as we can. And uh, let's start here, though. Give me the ticker, Dan. Jim Harbaugh, finally. Yeah. Finally to Michigan. Can we talk about toughness, Ty? (laughs) So several things have come through my mind now through this process. Yeah. We had the comment on the Facebook page a couple days ago asking us, please no more Jim Harbaugh to Michigan talk. Oh, I don't care about that. We can talk about whatever we want. We can, but I couldn't agree more. Like at this point, I'm tired of talking about Jim Harbaugh to Michigan. It's a great get. Yes. It does prove on some level, though, that stalking can work in the right (laughs) circumstance, which is a little creepy. I don't agree. In this case, it worked. I guess. Yes. There was some stalking that went on here. Sure. Of the Midwestern variety, which is a little bit more polite, I would say. A little bit more polite. The students are having a khaki out. Did I see that correctly? A basketball game. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about a khaki out? A lot of negative things, Ty. <laughs> Especially if, if if the khaki out involves pleats. Yeah. Um, not not a huge fan. But uh, you know what? Listen, it's people having fun. They're being creative. I'm not actually angry. Um, I'm excited for a, a big personality, a winning coach um, to be in the Big Ten, to, to have more meaning to some of these games. And for Michigan, a school that can attract a, a lot of talent with that brand to play to their hopeful program ceiling and make Michigan Ohio State the rivalry year in and year out at least while he's in Ann Arbor which I don't foresee to be a long-term thing uh exciting high-level football and meaningful on the national level yeah and I mean it's all relative right we don't we don't know exactly how long he'll be there when you say long term because clearly he's a guy who hasn't been anywhere for longer than four years he's a powder keg yeah maybe he'll burn up after four years who who knows he got a huge contract six years 48 million, maybe more than 48 million. Mike Garofalo, if you read him at all, he says that some money was left on the table and that the Raiders might have been willing to go higher. If that's the case, can't say I blame Harbaugh for picking Michigan over the Raiders, knowing that situation out there. And it also costs a lot more and you're going to pay a lot more in taxes in California. Oh, absolutely. So it's a good it's a good move on a number of different fronts. Mm -hmm. I hope it works out for Michigan. I don't like it when Michigan's down. It will be interesting to see how quickly he turns that team around. How many wins can he get to next season? How many wins can he get to the year after? How many years before he can get to 10 wins, Dan? One, if he has a quarterback. Yeah, that's (laughs) the X factor, right? They've recruited well. There's talent there. I don't, you know, you can't absolutely say that a team that has recruited a bunch of four and five star guys that they're all going to work out and everything's going to be fantastic and all the holes will be filled. But um, yeah, I don't think it takes a, a ton of time in the Big Ten with the talent that Michigan can attract. I don't know. Michigan isn't a nationally attractive school like it was perhaps 15 years ago, but I still think that they can put together a competitive national roster. And yeah, one one or two years. I mean, how long did it take Brady Hoke to do it? Didn't take him while he did it. He did it very year. quickly. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't foresee it being terribly different. They just need, again, a single quarterback on that roster. They need a single quarterback. Complete passes and and sort of gather first downs. Well, one of the good quarterbacks is Kyle Allen. He played in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Yesterday, Texas A&M wins 45-37. As expected, 
ton of offense here, had all the makings of a game that could come down to the wire. Mm-hmm. But then AM played a little more defense. AM took Skylar Howard out of rhythm in the second yep. half, managed to get enough separation. Again, they win by eight. Allen had four touchdown passes in this one. Feels like it was so long ago that Kenny Trill hmm. was leading Texas A&M to victory over South Carolina. You know that's not his real name. You oh, know his really? Real name is Kenneth Trill. Kenneth Trill. Yes. I remember when he was getting some really early season Heisman buzz after that South Carolina game and some of the early matchups. Yeah. And now it seems to be Kyle Allen's job for the foreseeable future. He a true freshman. He a four touchdown passes in this game. Yeah, I, I it was a little surprised that Kyle Allen was going to get better and better once afforded the opportunity. And as a true freshman, it's difficult to step in and immediately compete for a job at a at a place like Texas A&M in the SEC West. But yes, once given the reps and really give this is this is the value of bowls. It's not the value isn't, oh, they won this game. So Texas A&M is definitely going to be a top 12 team next year or Clemson, which we're going to get to momentarily is definitely going to be a top seven team next year. No, the value is having the time to get reps and get those those practice reps, whether it's the ones, the twos, the threes, really getting the time to to get more used to the system before the offseason. And it clearly benefited Kyle Allen playing against a West Virginia defense that sold out a little bit too much. Didn't hurt uh, Kyle Allen having the running game and actually having Texas A&M lean on the ground game with Trey Carson and Trey Williams, which I would argue was one of the things that they really screwed up this season and not looking for more balance on the ground against some sec teams uh, because Carson and Williams were as good a duo as anybody beneath that sort of a list in college football duo wise. And um, uh, I, I'm glad to see the Texas name looking for more balance. Glad to see the Texas A&M has their quarterback for at least the next couple of years, if not more. Um, encouraging but we need we need defense in college station pretty quickly speaking of defense let's talk about the russell athletic bowl and let's talk about what clemson did to oklahoma oklahoma turns the ball over five times a nice little revenge spot for brent venables who is now with clemson and almost had a shutout here until oklahoma ran one in late in the game they did block the extra point though which was a nice exclamation point for clemson yeah Final score here, 40-6. to six. Cole Stout looks really good against that Oklahoma defense. Remember, I wasn't sure if they could score points. Right. Obviously, that's pretty much all you need to know. That's how they ended up scoring points. I think I jinxed the whole damn thing. But I may not do well with my picks, or I might be doing too well with being the, mo- the surest thing in college football picking, but I feel real good about this pick. The big surprise here wasn't that Clemson's defense was excellent because they had been excellent all season long. A lot of senior leadership, a lot of talent, a lot of depth in that front seven. The big surprise was Cole Stout um, goes for over 300 yards, find, spreads the ball out pretty evenly between at least Artavis Scott and Mike Williams, which I hoped for when we previewed this game, because those two are supremely talented at young ages. Um, and and also the big surprise, even with with Oklahoma struggling to finish out the season, that offensively they couldn't get even a little more how sloppy they were. Trevor Knight has the, the pick six and then two other picks. P Ryan was fine. But Oklahoma supremely sloppy, whereas Clemson, even when Oklahoma moved the ball a little bit, nothing yeah. was easy. And Clemson, and I tweeted this out, that defense could secretly be the single best unit in college football in 2014. Every By every conceivable metric, whether it's the sort of traditional yards per play, you know, depending against if it was FBS schools, conference, whatever, even the F plus rankings, the S and P plus the efficiency metrics, it all pointed to Clemson's defense being nothing, if not dominant. So, um, 
I don't know who else would be in line. I mean, Oregon's offense was certainly fantastic. Uh, Alabama's defense was great, but Clemson's right there with anybody in terms of excellence. Cole Stout, by the way, may not have the pro caliber arm, may not have pro caliber decision making, does have pro wrestler caliber hair. (laughs) I didn't know where you were going with that. He had pro caliber decision making yesterday. Um, Oklahoma secondary, not good, but yes, Cole Stout's hair. Um, let let that not be an afterthought in the great, what was the Russell Athletic Bowl? The great Russell Athletic Bowl. The great Russell Athletic Bowl of 2014. And then let's move to the Advocare V100. It's a vitamin company. Texas mm. Bowl. Oh, that's so nice, bird. <laughs> Arkansas 31, Texas 7, right on mm-hmm. cue. Brandon Allen finishes two touchdown passes. The story here, though, was really Texas finishing with 59 total yards, 59 (laughs) total yards, Dan, 57 through the air, courtesy of Tyrone Swoops and two wholesome hard fought yards (laughs) on the ground. I saw an interesting tweet from Marcellus Wiley, who had a hypothesis that you could simply run 43 quarterback sneaks and achieve the same total yardage which I think is a fair question to ask. Yeah, no, Arkansas's defense, and listen, this is consistent with how they finished out the season with their couple shutouts and and how they were able to to beat some teams that frankly are more talented than them. And Arkansas was better coached and angrier and more inspired by the end of the season. And um, again, nothing to overreact to. I would would say the the way that they finished out the season is more important than the way they did, the, the way they played in this bowl game against Texas. But... Um, entirely encouraging. Very nice to have as uh, the Arkansas staff goes out on the recruiting trail that, yes, we can do things immediately well. Um, and uh, it's 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 feel good, even though the Arkansas fan base can can get a little bit warped and crazy. Like having more good teams in the SEC is not necessarily a bad thing. And Texas has a long way to go. Um, and I, I admire Charlie Strong for you know, having the gumption to kick off the guys that he, that clearly did not deserve to be there. Um, as Quandre Diggs pointed out after the game, which it was his final game. And I, I appreciate the honesty then. And hopefully he was <laughs> vocal before then going scorched um, earth on his way out the door. Yeah. Um, I'm, I guess you're not, but I am, I'm six feet and a half inch tall. I am taller than Texas's rushing yardage, <laughs> <laughs> um, just barely. But that that makes me feel good. You're right there. Um, but uh, yeah, Texas has a long way to go. They need to build up that offensive line. Honestly, they need a quarterback. And that's I don't know Gerard Hurd. I don't know if they're just very excited about him to the point where they wanted to uh, sort of rest him and keep him available for future consideration. But oof, they um, they've got a ways to go. They do not a great showing, but things will get better for Charlie yes. Strong and Texas. Um, uh, it appears so. It would appear so. We are recording this on Tuesday. So yes, games like the Music City Bowl, the Belk Bowl, the Foster Farms Bowl. You're going to have to wait until the weekend. Everyone clearly is waiting for my analysis of the Music City Bowl. You're going to have to wait on that until the weekend. Well, the reason why we're doing it, we're just churning content. That's what we're, we're just doing given. Here. We're put, people are taking this time off. Yeah. Podcasters whatever no 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 this is our this is our real season wait till we get to texas our real season content time help i need picks of the week you know the policy no more locks dan (laughs) no no more locks the locks are not done well my pickles are gonna be so much worse the locks have not done well okay that's true 
But if I'm feeling saucy, perhaps we'll make one anyway. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the big ones and work our way backwards. I'm okay with that. They're calling these the New Year's Six. I've counted more than six or less than six, I guess, depending on where you're starting the timer. Right. Um, there's five on New Year's Day. Yes. Let's start with the two biggest. Let's start in the Sugar Bowl. Let's between do that. number one, Alabama, 12 and one, and number four, Ohio State, they are also 12 and one. If you look at the efficiency metrics, Alabama second on offense, first on defense, Ohio State first on offense, fourth on defense. They will play 8.30 p.m. on New Year's Day. So Alabama, a lot of time to prepare for a third string quarterback. Yes. Cardale Jones making his second career start mm -hmm. just happens to be in a national semifinal. So no pressure or anything. Absolutely not. On the surface, you have to love that situation for the Crimson Tide. Yes. Alabama, three weeks to prepare for a third string quarterback, knowing Nick Saban's track record. That tells me a lot of what I think I need to know. I hate your confidence. <laughs> it scares me. Alabama, granted, not nearly on the same stage with the same implications. Not so good last year with time to prepare against a, a really inexperienced quarterback and lost to him. They're playing for something this year, though. Last year was a big time letdown spot. The motivation, almost aside from what's his name, Sean Evans for, uh, for Alabama, who's just in New Orleans for for Bourbon Street. That's what he said yesterday. Yeah. Um, or he's more excited about Bourbon Street than the business of the game at hand. But that's OK. Whatever. I probably would be, too. Um, I think the three weeks, four weeks of reps that uh, Cardell Jones got for for Ohio State in practice is not insignificant. Now that he has game action and knows game speed, has the size to stand in the pocket and take hits and, and still complete passes. Uh, the Ohio State offensive line has certainly gotten much better since the Virginia Tech game on the ground. They're very good. Um, the receivers for Ohio State aren't nearly the receivers for, for Alabama, but still talented. And defensively, it's it's what, what the game is going to come down to, because, look, I like Doran Grant at corner. I think he's going to have a little bit of success against Amari Cooper. But to think that anybody's shutting down Amari Cooper is laughable. Um, if they're able to control, at least on a certain level, Amari Cooper. The big thing is going to be Ohio State and which Ohio State run do we get? Yeah. Do we get the one they do we get the one that we saw in the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin? Do we get the one that allowed big plays against, say, Indiana or was consistently inconsistent against Michigan? Teams like that. They've gotten healthier. Uh, they've got a great linebacker in Darren Lee. Obviously, we know about Joey Bosa. It's a matter of can they make that tackle on TJ Eldon, Derek Henry on first contact? I think they're going to be pretty good. I think they're going to be well coached. I, you know, Tom Herman is still there, has not left yet. Um, I think Ohio state is able to play with Alabama for most of this game. What's the spread? Nine, Nine points is the spread. That's a lot of points. I'm going to take Ohio state here to cover. I think Alabama wins this game. Urban Meyer's too good of a coach to let anything go away. He has the history with, with Nick Saban where they went back and forth. Um, I think they find a way. I think they get creative on offense. I think they're able and to, to exploit uh, Alabama's secondary a little bit, which honestly not fantastic. Their front right. is great. It covers up for a lot of it, but Alabama's secondary. I really like Landon Collins, but um, they're able to be had at certain points deep. So Ohio state may not have a KG veteran, in Cardale Jones, but they do have yeah. a legitimate threat of a vertical passing game. You saw it against Wisconsin, and that's something because Auburn had a lot of success in that regard in the Iron Bowl. Alabama can be had through the air. 
Ohio That's State true. just needs to pick its spots. And you know what we say, and I think we rightfully say, Nick Saban with three weeks to prepare for whatever, third-string quarterback. We're also giving Urban Meyer three weeks to prepare. Yeah. Urban Meyer, not an insignificant coaching talent. No, no, not at all. And you mentioned Joey Bosa. Everyone knows Joey Bosa. Mm-hmm. Now it'll be interesting to see him against Austin Shepard and the Alabama offensive line. The thing is, though, Bama can't focus exclusively on Bosa because Ohio State's pretty tough up the middle with Michael Bennett and Adolphus Washington. The question for me is, can those guys disrupt Blake Sims and his timing when it comes to the passing game? Because Blake Sims has been really efficient this year. He's been mobile when he has to be. He really gives Nick Saban a number of different dynamics when he's playing quarterback. So they need to try and find some way to contain him and pressure him to throw off that rhythm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... Alabama wins the game because I can't get past the fact that they're going up against a third string quarterback. I do think, though, that Ohio State is good enough and talented enough to keep this one close. The coaching factor cannot be overlooked. So, yeah, I've gone back and forth on this one for now. I am going to say Alabama with a late front door, late front door cover. They win the game 31 21. Okay. But I would not at all be surprised to see Ohio State keep this one within three, four, seven late in the game because I do think they're good enough to at least give Alabama a run. Yeah, I'm going to say 34-27 Alabama. I think it's it's how good Ohio State is on defense, get playing against the run and disguising their own coverages against Alabama because that's you know what we've seen yeah. from LSU and Arkansas. They did a good job on defense of disguising coverages and looks. That's going to be huge. Let's move backwards in time to the Rose Bowl. You will be at the Rose Bowl, Dan. I where, will. Where are your seats? Um, they are, I think, pretty close to midfield, high up, which yeah. I prefer. Obviously, I like to see more. Um, I'm not I'm not exactly sure which yard line it's on, but it looks like it's between the 40 and 50. I was I'm very fortunate to have uh, the tickets that I do. And I'm excited. This guy, it's it's the capital of college football in America. Yeah. the Rose Bowl and could not be more excited. I still remember being out at your place last year mm-hmm. and talking to Spencer Hall mm-hmm. after he had been at the Rose Bowl for the first time. Yeah. And you could see in his eyes as he described it. That it was like a truly emotional experience for him to go to that game. You're not the same after your first Rose Bowl. He was genuinely moved by the emotions that ran through him at that Rose Bowl. So asterisk, this does not count for UCLA home games. No, those emotions. No. All right. So Rose Bowl, you'll be there. Mm -hmm. It is actually the first of two national semifinals. 5 p.m. Oregon, your Ducks, 12 and one, a nine point favorite. Over Florida State, 13-0. They're the three seed in this tournament. Yeah. Florida State, 10th overall in terms of offensive efficiency, 26th overall in terms of defensive efficiency. Yep. Oregon has the third most efficient offense, the 12th most efficient defense. Daniel, great matchup here. The last two Heisman Trophy winners on one side, you got Winston on the other, Mariota. Mm -hmm. Injury-wise, it looks like the Knolls should be mostly at full strength. Yep. The Ducks, well... The Ducks, the secondary is a bit of an issue. They've got the key injury in the secondary. How can we've talked about this before, but you've had more time to think about it now. How concerned are you about that component of Oregon's defense up against a really good pocket passer like Jameis Winston? Certainly a factor, and I expect Florida State to pick on Chris Cisse a little bit or whoever is covering Rashad Green, whether it's Troy Hill, whoever the, whoever it is back there. But 
I never expected Oregon to shut down Florida State. I right. never, you know, this was, it's not a matter of Oregon doesn't win games necessarily the way that they beat Arizona and the way they beat Arizona wasn't necessarily with corners. It was how good they were up front in both getting to a new Solomon and stopping the run. But Arizona clearly a step down from Florida State in terms of their offensive line, in terms of the quarterback. So what I expect from Oregon is they're going to give up a couple of big plays, at least to Florida State because of that secondary. And that's okay. I, this was never going to be a 13, 10, 17, 13, 30 to 13 game. Anyway, this was always going to be a bit of a shootout is, is what the feel was with Oregon's good, but not necessarily consistently great defense and Florida state's own struggles on defense, both against the run and the pass. So it is certainly a concern. I would say the bigger concern for Oregon on defense is going to be tackling in the open field because mm -hmm. of how good that offensive line is. Those running backs are going to get holes, especially with how hard Dalvin cook hits holes. Those linebackers need to be fantastic. Like, like we talked about in the Ohio state Alabama game on first contact because Dalvin cook, when he gets a full head of steam is, is, is the danger and the, the Oregon linebackers and secondary have gotten much better tackling in the open field. Right. But it's one of those things where what makes Jameis Winston great beyond how well he throws the ball downfield is recognizing. And I think he did less of it this year, at least in first halves when to check down. Well, and that's the thing with Dalvin cook, you mentioned Dalvin cook and I'll, I'll jump in. I'm more worried about him than I think I am about Jameis Winston in this game because sure. we know Winston's great, but Dalvin cook has been really good. He's established himself as that main back mm -hmm. down the stretch at a minimum in this game, Dan, you can count on him getting like 20 carries, 120 yards. He yeah. can kill you. And it's not all about the yards. It's when he gets them. How many times over the last month and a half has Dalvin cook ripped off a big run in a key situation? And how That's much true. how much if you're Oregon, can you key on Dalvin Cook or the running game at all? Because if you're Don Pelham, you've got to pick your poison now. This is true. You got a team as balanced as Florida State. You can't really focus too much on the run or the pass because right. they've got enough weapons to beat you either way. That's the problem I see for Oregon here. I think the the big matchup in this game, because we, we know about the quarterbacks, we know about the speed on both sides of the ball or both for both teams, offensive speed. Uh, I think the, the huge matchup is going to be the same one on either side of the ball. I think it's going to be the center against the nose, the nose against the center. Is Ronis Grasso going to be at or near full strength for Oregon? They're all American center. Cam Irving, All-American caliber, All-American all linebacker, linebacker. God, what am I talking about? Cam Irving, All-American <laughs> caliber center, excuse me. All-American wide receiver. Um, but with how good he's been since the move to center against the the interior of Oregon's defensive line, I think that's going to be enormous. So that that's, I mean, we know that's where games are won and lost, but I think in this specific matchup, it's, it's, that's going to be a huge, huge part. Uh, Florida State's interior of their own defensive line has been beat up. Um, they, I know they lost their starting nose guard at the beginning of the year to a torn bicep, but he's been practicing some Eddie Goldman was beat up, but he's been practicing. So it's never good if Florida state's injury concerns are in the interior of their defensive line with how well Oregon can run. Um, and then thus run play action against a Florida state secondary that hasn't been fantastic this year. Um, but yeah, I think that's just, that's the entire game. The interior, that that sort of zero gap, that A gap is huge. As you're watching from the stands and we're watching yeah. from home, what is the early indicator for the fans? What What is the early indicator that it's going Florida State's way or Oregon's way outside the points on the actual scoreboard? Uh, if Oregon turns Florida State turnovers into six, that's very dangerous because that's what you need to do against a Florida State team that gets better over the course of the game. So let's say Jameis Winston throws a pick early and Oregon 
uses a short field and scores a touchdown. That's that's enormous because you need to take advantage of every opportunity. In terms of Florida State succeeding, if they come out playing well, that's scary as hell because they don't. They just don't do that. They've been slow starters. This they've year. been slow starters. If they're able to run the ball early, and I'm not, I'm not too concerned about Oregon adjusting. I think they've done a pretty good job adjusting. But if uh, if Florida State comes out playing well, that's that's cause for concern. And if if you're Florida State, the the big cause for concern would be Oregon getting up early and then adjusting well and and staying good on the ground. If Oregon can run the ball, especially between the tackles against Florida State. I I think it's an almost impossible out, but again, it's just about impossible to beat Florida state. So that's that I think is the linchpin. There's a reason they're 13 and 0. And I mentioned at the top of the capsule here, 26th overall in terms of defensive efficiency, that is not a bad number by any stretch. It's the lowest number of any of these four teams in any of these efficiency metrics, that particular unit defense 26th overall, but don't be lulled to sleep by that. This is a defense that's been really good in spots when they've had to be. I look at that Louisville game when they basically shut down Louisville after a pretty strong surge initially in the first half. Uh, So Florida state's defense knows how to make adjustments and I am, I'm leaning Knowles outright. Okay. I think one key that bothers me a bit is that Oregon's defense has not been great on third downs this season. They need to step up here. They need to get Jameis Winston and company off the field. I'm going to say a high-scoring game, 38-35. Also, if you've been playing the home game, Dan. Hmm. (laughs) If you've been playing the home game, folks, you'll know that my locks this year have been particularly awful since I got back from Mexico. This is true. So I am sending this one out lovingly. To my friends over at FSU Twitter, sure. who have been on me all year, I love you guys. I thank you for the support. I thank you for the free publicity. Mwah. Love you. Best of luck in the Rose Bowl. Um, yeah, Florida State Twitter has only been obnoxious to you because you're a human. That's, that's true. That's, right. That's what separates you. Yeah, I'm going to take Florida State here, too. I think Oregon wins outright, but I think the points, too many points. I'm going to take those points. I'm going to stick with my initial prediction of 38-34 Oregon. Um I feel like they have the best player on the field of 2014. Um, and I'm, and he's going to have the ball in his hands on every single Oregon offensive snap. I'm going to go with him. I'm going to, I'm going to ride the Oregon momentum at this point. I think their defense has improved enough that they'll be able to limit Florida state. There's no stopping Florida state. Let's be Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Oregon here. All to right. Win outright. So you're taking Alabama, Oregon in your final game. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Alabama, Florida State again. The games are at five and eight thirty on New Year's Day. Yep. Does this mean that I've got the Twitter keys all to myself with um, you at the Rose Bowl? That's a good question. Well, we shall see. All right, I'm looking see, forward I'll to see this. See how the uh, the the service is. I am looking forward to this. Yeah, as you should. Let's talk about some other games. Let's talk about the Outback Bowl. Another big game on. New Year's Day is between Auburn eight and four and Wisconsin ten and three. Auburn, mm-hmm. last I checked, about a six and a half point favorite. Dan, this is a trap game. It's a trap. It's a trap. Not so much for either of the teams, though. Right. <laughs> it's say, a trap okay. for people, for stooges like us, yeah. who are trying to pick these games because mm-hmm. Auburn's a lot of flash on offense. True, they've got the sexy conference. They always get love come bowl season. Mm-hmm. It is so easy to go with Auburn, to go with any SEC team. 
But you've got Wisconsin, which has a defense. You can't blindly discount that at all. After the Big Ten Championship, you can a little bit, but yeah. You can a little bit, right. Yeah. So with all that in mind, I am going to blindly discount it because Wisconsin has lost its coach. Yeah. Barry Alvarez, <laughs> back moonlighting as a head coach. You sort of stole my thunder there. The Big Ten uh-huh. Championship game was a little bit disconcerting. Well. So I'm going to go Auburn here, minus the six, minus the seven. I think they win this game, let's say, 28 to 20. I, I don't feel great about Wisconsin winning this game outright. My one concern is when there is a big outlying fact statistically, and that is against the SEC, Auburn was <clears throat> against the run <clears throat> 101st in the country. Nice, nice. Uh, Melvin Gordon still plays for Wisconsin, and I think ultimately that keeps the score a little bit closer. Um just not a ton to feel good about with Wisconsin, but it's one of those things where maybe we're overreacting to the big 10 championship game. And Auburn certainly is not the type of complete team that Ohio state is. So I'm going to take the points. I think Auburn wins this one close. Let's call it uh in a shootout. 41, 38 Auburn. I'm going to change my pick actually. Yeah. I watched Auburn against K state. <laughs> I watched that was a long against- time ago, Ty. A long time ago. That was like that was that was the Kenny Hill Heisman era. There are reasons why this game could be closer, and and they're probably all because of Wisconsin's defense. I can see yeah. them taking Auburn out. I'm changing my pick here. Auburn okay. still wins, though. Let's say 28-24. How's that? Oh, lower scoring. The Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Mm. Twelve thirty, New Year's Day. This is a good one. Baylor eleven and one. A three-point favorite now over Michigan State. 10-2 Michigan State. I have been on this game for a while. I believe we asked it as a hypothetical. Back in the day before we figured out all of our playoff matchups. Right. I said back then that I liked Michigan State. I'm going to say it again now. The Spartans' only two losses were to two playoff teams in Oregon and Ohio State. Connor Cook can throw and will throw on the Bears' defense. And on the flip side, I think Michigan State's defense can take Baylor enough out of rhythm to get a few points up on him here. So I like Michigan State to win this game. I think there are a lot of points because Baylor's involved. Let's say Michigan State 35, Baylor 32. Yeah, I like Michigan State's offense more than I have in recent years. I think that's very clear and are they're, they're worth liking a lot more. And I dislike Michigan State's defense, especially without Pat Narduzzi here. Um, more than I have in recent years. So I think I'm going to go Baylor here. I I've been going back and forth with motivation that Baylor's disappointed to be here and not in the playoff Michigan state though, having the, the off season that they've had or the, the coaching period that they've had losing their defensive coordinator. I'm going to go with now I'm feeling better and better about Baylor and I'm feeling worse and worse about Baylor watching other big 12 teams play bowl games. Although I don't like to put a ton of weight in bowl games, but it has not been a great late December for your second best conference in America. <laughs> it just, it has not been ideal. It wasn't ideal yesterday. It hasn't worked out so far. No, Oklahoma, Texas and West Virginia, not acquitting themselves in a terrific way, especially when the big Baylor cell was like, uh, we killed Oklahoma. I'm like, okay, great. So did my cousin. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm still going to go with Baylor here. I think there's more to like about them. I like their defense a lot more. Their past defense isn't great. Michigan state's past def- passing offense and Connor cook are very good. I don't know if they're prolific enough to take advantage for four quarters. I'm going to go Baylor here. 37, 27. 
All right, let's move to the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl. Here's the Citrus Bowl, Dan. 1 p.m., New Year's yes. Day. Missouri, 10-3. and 3. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, 8-4. and 4. Missouri, a five-point favorite. You may remember that Missouri lost to another Big Ten team this year, Indiana. Yes, Earlier this season, they played close games throughout the year against all kinds of middle-of-the-road type teams. Right. South Carolina, Vandy, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Tennessee. In fairness, they won all those games, but it does stand to reason that this will be closer than you might expect. you got to figure on Minnesota being fired up for this game. You said it the other day. I'll say it again now. They're always fired up. Minnesota is always a tough out. They're not going to play yeah. down. For that reason alone, I am tempted, and I think I'm going to pull the trigger on Minnesota. Let's wow. take Minnesota outright in this one over Missouri. A weird, ugly, turnover-oriented game. Minnesota wins this one 24-21. I think I'm going to go the exact opposite. I think Missouri wins this game 24-21. Okay. I think I think I feel good about right around that score, maybe 21-17, three or four points. Uh, but I think Minnesota barely covers. I'm going to go Missouri here. Um, a little bit more to like about Missouri personnel-wise, battle-tested-wise, even though they missed a lot of the powers of the SEC. Um, I just I don't have a great read on this game. It's, it's one of those games where one of these teams is p- clearly going to come out flat, and we're just guessing at which one it's going to be. We've seen some evidence of Missouri, Matty Mock looking really atrocious and then we've seen evidence of him stringing together a number of nice plays i'm gonna go with missouri i think their defense is the strongest thing in this game shane ray marcus golden i'm gonna go with mizzou your voice cutting out again <laughs> i think i'm all right i think i'm all right all no, right i'm good we've got a few minutes left yeah congratulations skippy you've got mail you've got mail on the solid verbal each and every week or as often as we can we do our best yeah. to pay homage to those of you who write into solidverbal at gmail.com, who post on mm-hmm. the Facebook page, who write into the Twitter, I want to follow up on something we discussed on our last show. What's that? We talked about Verballer Lee. Remember Verballer mm. Lee? Lee was the I one whose girlfriend... Facial hair. His girlfriend was coming back from the Netherlands after three months. He had grown out some facial hair. Didn't know if he should keep it, if he should shave it. What would be the best approach? Right. He says, this is Lee with an update from my last message (laughs) taking the advice i decided to text my girlfriend letting her know that i've grown some facial hair Mm -hmm. she was enthused by the news hey oh telling me she's really into it nice so on the 29th of december when she came back i was unshaven she immediately saw me with a beard and laughed but in a loving sort of way that's fantastic she obviously thought i would look a little different We then went straight from the airport to the local Target to buy a razor. (laughs) I shaved and we spent the rest of the day reconciling. While I can't find any pictures of the last few weeks of me with a beard, I was told I looked, quote, homeless. Thanks for the advice. Stay solid. It's good to get a nice success story from our friend Lee. I would say that's the it solid verbal couple of December. Yeah. The it couple, Lee and his lady friend. Uh, good for them. Good for her about having a sense of humor and not being disgusted by his homeless look. Good for Lee for communicating that like, hey, I might be super gross when you see me. Um, I'm glad we had a, a good, charming ending to, I, I would say, a very controversial subject. It was quite controversial. We even had yeah. Dr. Jane in on it. It's good yeah, to see things. Jane. Good to see things end well. And look, Lee, I don't want to put any pressure on you. Right. We've had verballers get married before. So, you know, the onus is on you, man. 
no pressure, but uh, I feel I feel good about them moving forward. I feel like they're in a very good place. You can get past the facial hair thing. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go back to Facebook. I've got a couple here, and then we'll what call you got? it a day. Yeah. Kyle wants to know if you could run a bowl game. A, what would mm. you name it? B, which of this year's teams would you invite? Let's go with part A of that question. I don't care about who's in the bowl. What would What would you name your bowl game? What would you name your bowl game, Dan? Uh, I mean, the Taco Bowl sounds pretty great. I'd have it. I would probably, you know what? I've always wondered why there hasn't been another bowl game in L.A. Okay. It's a warm place with things to do, with sights to see for players. I would have it in L.A. I don't know if I'd have it at the Coliseum. The Coliseum's kind of a dump. The Rose Bowl's really nice, but they, they've got some years two games, or they used to have two games with National Championship and the Rose Bowl itself. Um, I would have it in L.A. Where? What venue in L.A. would I do it in? Um, I would do it in Dodger Stadium. Ooh, Chavez Ravine. Chavez Ravine, another great setting with the mountains in the background. It's up in the hills. I would do the Taco Bowl at Dodger Stadium. And I think you'd get a lot like maybe. And that's where you have in the the two conferences. I would say the two best conferences in America. You have a Pac-12, like Pac-12, number three against SEC, number whatever. Um, or maybe it's lower level SEC and lower level Pac-12. I think you bring them together in a sunny place, West Coast, in the hills, sun setting, Dodger Stadium, the Taco Bowl. Hmm. Going local with it. What about you? The Bomba Solid Verbal Bowl sounds pretty interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who the sponsor of the Taco Bowl would be. I'm sort of interested in playing in a crummy old venue that can't yeah. accommodate more than 20,000 people. Hershey Park. Hershey Park. They have a Hershey Stadium. That's where uh, they play or used to play anyway. The PIAA Pennsylvania State Championship football game. That's kind of cool. People would fill that thing for a bowl game. Is there a bowl game in our old friend, the Kibby Dome? Oh, Kibby Dome. Uh, no. And they can, they, they can definitely transform because they've got football and basketball in there. So they can accommodate all sorts of weird things in there. Um, the Kibby Dome, for those who have been with us for a while, mm-hmm. was something we initially mispronounced as the Kibble Dome. <laughs> I have bad eyes. I since wear glasses doing the show. And we received a lot of hate mail for calling it the Kibble Dome. So we now know it's the Kibby Dome. They don't play the famous Idaho Potatoes Bowl game there they play that at Boise State's field but right um you know Idaho is pristine Idaho is a beautiful state in the union so you're sending people to Moscow sending, sending people to Moscow right? Moscow Idaho something in the Kibby Dome to me feels like the right venue damn dog all right that's a, that's a bummer of a bowl season yeah hey um so middle Tennessee congrats yep uh you were going to be going to northern Idaho so hello hello yeah. Can you hear? Hello? No, that's that's how that conversation goes. Ken writes in on the Facebook page, and this is one of my favorite questions. Yeah. What would compromise a bowl game football cliche bingo card? Mm. Okay, so we're throwing the records out. Throwing out the records. I'm jotting these down. Hold on. Let me open up a, a blank email. Throwing out the records, right? Throwing out the records. We talked uh, about Wes Welker type. Wes Welker type, I would say certainly announcers talking about like people make fun of bowl games, but look how much fun the kids are having. It gives them a chance. Like just like it's all about the kids. It's about the kids. kids. It's about the kids. I would say NFL talent. Some reference to NFL talent is another is another fun one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Uh, NFL talent. Okay. Um, Something about something about when a team from like the Mac or you know, conference USA who like granted is really good and has a really good performance. 
announcers overreacting to say like Marshall or Western Kentucky or a school like that that maybe puts up a lot of points or something. And they say they could put up points on anyone. I don't care who you are. I don't care what conference you're in. <laughs> they can score on anyone. Like, no. So no, overreaction no, to offense. Yeah, overreaction to offense. Just like, you know, or, or people in general. Like some somebody has got a, a little linebacker who's making a bunch of plays. Like, I don't care who you are. He could play for anybody. Like, well, not necessarily. One of my favorite cliches and it's not just a bowl season thing you seem to hear it a lot during bowl season because i think Mm -hmm. announcers kind of run out of things to say yeah and i know just from doing this that sometimes you just talk like you just if you run out of something to say you just keep talking you you kind of go from your random access memory they often seem to reference their meetings with coaches oh it's all about the meetings with the coach you know we met with don pelham and yeah. we talked about is, uh, you know, whatever. Like, so like the coaches aren't contractually obligated. <laughs> meetings with coaches is another right. one for me. Meetings with coaches are big. I was going to say the toss down to the sideline, but it be not a report on the game itself. It's just sort of like, uh, and we, we, we toss it down to Michelle Johnson and uh, for more. And it was like, yeah, one of the, the the great things that the players in this game are getting are these headphones and like the game is going on and like the crazy thing about these headphones are and like just talking about something random as the game is going on that has nothing to do with the game. The center square on the bingo card is mm-hmm. clearly the cheesy commercial from whatever sponsor. Oh, um, like the CEO, like the CEO, yeah. the one with the bit pay. We talked about the bit pay one for the Bitcoin yes. St. Petersburg Bowl something from a sponsor where it's like they're not used to doing commercials but right. they got one for free by sponsoring the bowl game i specifically love the one that has the either the director of the bowl game of like that city's sports commerce department or whatever or like ceo of Beefo brady's and it's always you know these people aren't public speakers in the way that you know obviously like broadcasters like brent musburger are who toss it to them or whatever but i love seeing like, especially the height of it was when, God, was it Ford, Chevy, one of their CEOs presented the World Series trophy this year Yeah, yeah to yeah. the Giants when he was just like, it's not unlike the electronic system in the new Ford Fusion. <laughs> 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 that was, I mean, that's just the height. So I love like that awkward and not even like in a making fun of like, I just love the charm of like this person's whole family is watching and they're super proud of him. He's going on TV and he's just nervous. And like, that's one of the main tenants of, of duck commander family. (laughs) (laughs) The cheesy sponsor ad, the awkward CEO. Also, let's not forget. How could we forget the out of place tourism commercials for like El Paso, Texas? Oh yeah. Those are all over during bowl season. Yeah. I like those. Those, those, those have its own charm because a lot of those cities have to reach and not to make fun of cities specifically, but sometimes it's like, uh, we have a, we have the seventh largest water park in the state. We have like a candy store on main street, just like yours. It's, it's good. I like, I like that charm. So our center square is the cheesy sponsor ads. Anything else football related or announcer related that happens during (sighs) bowl games, NFL stuff. Oh, this, this is a big one, and this happens during the regular season, too, but especially when there's not a ton to say. Um, you'll be hearing his name on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the NFL talent, right? <laughs> right. That's the NFL talent, but that specific line, when it's especially when it's not necessarily a sure thing. This is, again, this is what happens in, like, the the mid to late December, like, the the early, like, poinsettia bowl. Yeah. Where it's just, like, I you know, a San Diego State tight end, where, like, he had a nice season. 
but it's not like he he tore the world up. We're like, ooh, San Diego State's tight end. Don't be surprised. This is the name you're hearing on Sunday. I was like, well, I might be a little surprised. There, there are Vernon Davis plays on Sundays. We've got seven things here right now. Yeah. I'm going to come up with two more. I'll put together a graphic and post it on the Twitter page in time for like the, uh, in time for the bowl games on new year's day. How's that? Nice. Thank you for the question. We will close out. We've got time for one more. Again, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash solid verbal. You can find us on Twitter on FanCred. Also email us one more time at uh, solidverbal at gmail.com. Dan, I'm looking through here. Some fans have superstitions, just like players. Yeah. With that in mind, Dan. Oh, yeah. I haven't thought about this. We, we talked about this briefly, and I, I still haven't made a decision about my pre-football eating for the Rose Bowl. Do you have your pre-semifinal taco lined up to ensure a duck win? That comes to us from Craig. Okay, that's actually a good question because probably three hours after we're done with the show, which is probably happening in a couple minutes here. Um, I will be having a pre Rose bowl taco journey with uh, friends of the show, West coast, Kevin and Eli and I fan Scott. Um, we're going to, I've never been to this place. We were going to go to this place, Ricky's, which is the best fish taco probably in America. Um, and I don't say that lightly. I know I'm prone to taco hyperbole. By the way, people who listen to this show probably think you eat exclusively tacos. I did have tacos last night. Yeah. (laughs) When I'm in LA, I try to have as many as I can because selection is limited in New York, but I'm going to a place I'm very excited about called Guisados. I think it might be pronounced Guisados, but I think that's the more the gringo way of saying it's Guisados. Um, It's all stewed meat within the tacos. So like slowly stewed beef or carnitas or al pastor or, or chicken tinga. It's all like the slowly stewed meat in the tacos, homemade tortillas, which if you don't have homemade tortillas in your life, I would, I would question a lot about how you're living. Um, I'm going to Guisados. That is my pre Rose bowl meal with my best duck fan friends, West coast, Kevin. I'm feeling good. I'm going to get a selection of, of rolled warm Mexican treats. Um, that is the excitement level right now. I think I'm going to the one in Echo Park. Um, not much more to say on the issue, but that is that is my go-to. I'm very excited that this is going to uh, to do me right before the Rose Bowl. Also, just for clarification, mm-hmm. West Coast Kevin is not a duck. He is just an alum of University of Oregon. It has never been proven, though, that he is not waterfowl. All right. Well, fair enough. Thanks again for tuning in. Again, Dan's picks for the playoff. He's going Alabama. Yes. To win outright. He's going Oregon to win outright. He's going with both underdogs. If you're taking into account the point spread, I am going Mm -hmm. Alabama with a little front door cover. And I am going to go ahead. Lock of the week. I'm going to go ahead and lock up Florida State. 38, 35 over the Oregon Ducks. Dan, enjoy the Rose Bowl. Hey, Ty, wish you were here. Excited to see you in a week. For that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein, for myself, Ty Hildenbrand, back here at Solid Verbal East. Thanks again for tuning into the show. We'll catch you all in 2015. Have a happy new year. Can you, can you say stay solid, Ty? Uh, stay solid. Peace. Peace.